Welcome to Take Him With You, the podcast that's spiritual, not religious. I'm Rick. And I'm Amy. And this is episode number 123. Can you believe it? Today is going to be a fun day. We're going to be talking about, is the ark a lark? Like a bolt from the sky, in the twinkling of an eye, there came a revelation. And wouldn't you know, fate dealt the blow and changed my destination. Falling, struck down, right down. When love came calling, my eyes open, hoping. When love came calling. So today on the program, going to be talking about uh, my electric blue daisies, some voiceover work, some music I've been creating, and all sorts of other things. What kind of things? Well, you're going to have to stay <laughs> stick around to find out. Sounds good. You can catch us up with everything as well. By the way, you're listening to, um, what are these called? The, the uh, Stone Coyotes. And this song is called Noah's Ark, because that's what we're talking about today. Noah's Ark. The real debunking. The myths and rumors of, of Noah's Ark and the giant flood that once attacked our Earth. It may, it may be a little different than the little cartoon um, caricatures that you've seen. On, on your... Uh, on, like, nursery walls. Yep. Yeah. So anyway, I... Oh, I did it. I said so anyway. Again, I'm banning that. <clears throat> Moving on. We'll be talking about all sorts of great stuff today and playing some music and all that kind of jazz. So stick around. We'll uh, talk about your opinions. If you think the Ark and Noah and all that stuff is actually a real story or not, we'll read you the actual account from the Bible. And then we're going to talk about quick facts and the plausibility of a flood covering the entire Earth. Stick around. go how's it going aim it's going boy we have so much to cover today yeah when we get into the subject i'm not sure we might have to go more than one week oh no no we're not gonna oh. we're just gonna do it today oh it's gonna be hard ah you'll you'll live i'll live huh? yeah i'm okay. rick moyer and i'm amy moyer and we're married for a long time <laughs> <laughs> we're going on 25 years yeah. 25 years in just a few days that's Gosh. really weird. That's amazing that you put up with me all that time. Do we have any plans yet? 
Or is this going to be a watch a Star Trek video and you bake pizza? Well, things have not <laughs> been the most financially great, so um, uh, we're probably. I, I don't have any big plans. I was going to take you to Hawaii, but uh, that's going to have to maybe on our thirtieth. Once I get to be a, a big voiceover guy that makes lots of money doing voiceovers, what do you think? Yeah, well, I'm going. Or my album's actually. Go- I, I, I have, a, hear about I have that. a plan to go with some of my friends. They decided that from for my fiftieth birthday, since I'm oldest of the group, they are women and they have a plan. They have a plan that they were going to like kidnap me Galactica. and take me to Hawaii. Mm. My some of my good friends clear back from high school. I've known them even longer than I've known you. You planned this clear back since high school? No, they just the last couple of years. They said. For your 50th birthday, we're going to go to Hawaii. Well, that was nice so, of them. Um, we'll, we'll have to see. I mean, that's still a few years away. Yes, it is. <clears throat> so that'll be interesting to see yeah. if you if you get it. Yeah, that would be fun. I'd kind of like to take you to Hawaii, though. Yeah. But maybe there's other things we'd like to do more. Well, I, we'd like to go to maybe visit some of our friends in England. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of places that I'd like to to go. Catherine wants to go to England too, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, there's a lot of places. Actually, Catherine wants to be one of those hippie runabouts that takes her backpack and goes backpacking around Europe. Not, not on my. I'm not on my life. <laughs> no. I suggested that she like goes to college and does a semester abroad where she could go with a group of nice kids or something instead of just backpacking by herself around Europe. We'll be discussing this after the podcast. <laughs> I know. Okay, we'll be right back with uh, exciting things going on around our house, and then, of course, we're going to get right into the subject today of Noah's Ark. Is Noah's Ark a lark? <laughs> Find out. Hi, my name's Al, and my wife Joyce and I are big Disneyland fans. In fact, we love the place so much we started a podcast dedicated to the happiest place on Earth. In our show, Tales from the Mouse House, we'll discuss some news and updates on the Disneyland Resort, reveal some amazing little-known gems we call hidden treasures, and we'll also review some of the rides and attractions that make the Disneyland Resort so much fun. And we'll review some places to satisfy your hunger attacks, as well as offer up some tips and tricks we've picked up over the years that can help you get the most out of your Disneyland Resort vacation. So, after Rick and Amy have helped you along your spiritual path, check out Tales from the Mouse House in iTunes. And remember, make it a magical day. Al and Joyce are such cool people. Yeah, it's kind of neat to hear all the things that they're doing. Yeah, and you know what? What? Um, Al just had surgery on his arm. I know, ow. I know, and they, but they, they fixed something really cool because... I don't. I can't remember. He he told me what the whole procedure was, and I just don't want to go into it because it would gross me out. But suffice it to say, he won't have any more pain in his arm, and he'll be able to feel his arm again. And a bunch of cool things about that will happen. And they when when they were in there, they fixed his uh, how do what do you call it? Carpal corporal carpal tunnel. Yeah, I don't know. Is that a corporal in the army named tunnel? <laughs> no, anyway, it's when your wrists stop working. Well, right. I mean, they hurt. Yeah. Al, we're thinking about you, and we've been praying for you, and we hope that you get better soon, and that you get all healed back up so you can uh, go on about your excitement and fun life. 
right? Mm-hmm. And play with your dog and enjoy yeah. time with your wife. And Yeah, I think that's going to be great things. when you get all healed up. But we've been thinking about you and wish we lived in the same town so we could come visit you. But uh, we don't. No, Arizona's be, a long ways away. A few, a few days drive to <laughs> come and visit. Someday. Someday we someday, will. Someday. That's another thing we'd like to do. Is we'd like to do a whole and... couple of months of <laughs> taking with you on the road. Yeah. Maybe not two months. That's a long time. But a month at least. Maybe if we can get a motorhome with an internet access, satellite internet access, and we could put our studio on the table and head out and meet all of our fun, exciting guests and friends from across the nation. What do you think? That would be fun. I just don't know how we would get the, the motorhome um, dried out after we went to England. Yeah, that one might be a And challenge. Australia. How are we going to get there? That would be a challenge. I guess you could take a slow boat, but it would take a long time. That would be to China, wouldn't it? Slow boat to China. Yeah, I guess so. <sighs> yeah, there's no bridges or subways to... Um, yeah. Yeah. We've been having quite the busy week at our house. Yeah, it's I, been busy. Yeah, you know, I signed up for a, a place called elance.com, and it's for... A lot of bit different artists that do graphics and voiceover work and music and web programming and and computer stuff. Anyway, it's like a clearinghouse um, for people coming looking for uh, creative type people to do jobs. And they post they post online what their job is that they need done. And then people like me and different artists will um, will go in and make a bid on the project and then send them some of our our like demos and stuff. And then out of the pool of different people that put in for the job, um, one of us wins the audition, and then we get paid to do the job. And I uh, started with what? I started about a couple, three weeks ago, wasn't it? Yeah. Three and four weeks wow, I've been, I've been getting jobs every week and been busy doing those. And then on top of that all, I've been working uh, for my uh, friend Stefan in Australia, working on... Um, his new series, he's going to um, put out the Martians Are Here mm-hmm. um, podcast that, that we did last year. Commercially. He's going to put it out commercially. Commer- commer- commercially? No. Commercially. And it's it's called Rose of Mars. Mm-hmm. And now there are new scenes that we're recording and new music that we're putting into different places. Did, st- I, did I hear a different voice last night? Are you doing a different voice for him that I haven't heard before? Or? Yes, yes, I did a psychiatrist voice, and I also did. Um, no, that was. I think that was it. Yeah. Because mm, I, I was going. I, you know, it's kind of interesting living with a voiceover actor, because you're never quite sure who you're going to hear coming out of the studio. Oh, of course not. You never know. I, I still think I should market this voice. I think I could do a lot of. Oh, little weird bit parts for Anna Green Gables or something like that. Well, <clears throat> I remember that particular voice from a pampered chef party. Oh, Julia Child, yeah. Which you had a, chicken and... a curly wig and... um. <laughs> You're telling on me. Okay, so once in my I life... Go on okay, this. once in my life I dressed in drag. With red lipstick and... And balloons in appropriate places. <laughs> and I had an apron, and I, I showed up at a pampered chef party that we were having in our house. And we had a, a couple's had, Valentine pampered but, chef But the funny party. part was, was the host the hostess didn't know <laughs> that I was going to do this. I went back into my bedroom, and I got all ready, 
<laughs> and she went to start the demo and she asked for a volunteer and guess who showed up? Julia Child. Oh, hello everyone. Oh, making these wonderful little muffins. And they were tasty, weren't they? I wouldn't remember I haven't kissed one of the boys on the cheek. I believe you did. I did. His name was Preston and he was very upset with me. <laughs> I think any guy pretty much would be upset with you. That was funny. Yeah, it was it was so hilarious and I yeah, it's you know You never has, know what you're gonna get from it the voiceover has been guy. Twenty five years, but I, I can say they have not been twenty five boring years. No. Been, um, no. So I wanna uh, play I, I have been doing some new music and some narrating for Stefan and uh that's really a bulk of what I do during the week since he has uh, hired me to do that for him. And I'd like to play a little bit of the music that I wrote with the iPad and with my keyboards all combined together to make this beautiful sound. And I want to play a uh, a piece of music. I won't play the whole thing because I don't want to ruin it for everybody. But there is a particular character named Sarah in the series that uh, we, when we meet her, she is sailing on a boat that she calls the Nexus. It's her research boat. Well... In the new story, um, Rose of Mars, we actually get to see how she got the boat and the first time she saw it and, you know, and the, the name of it and all the stuff is revealed. And so I wrote a piece of music when the grant funding goes through and she gets the boat. And so I, I wrote a piece of music that goes along with that discovery that she gets the boat and everything. And I'd like to play you for it. Pl- play you for it? Play you for it. <laughs> I'll play you for it. High card uh, wins. Yeah, I was going, we're not in Las Vegas. What are you talking about? So uh, this song is, um, what is it called? Do you remember what it's called? No. You don't? How come? Well, what am I supposed to be answering? I was reading our Facebook comments. What? You, you weren't were... even paying attention to me. Well, I thought you were going to be playing Jeez. a song. I'm gonna, so I'm gonna that? play a song, but maybe I won't now. Oh, maybe sorry. I won't. Maybe I'll just pretend I did, and you would never even know if I did or not. I'd say, "Oh, that was really good, dear." <laughs> wow. Now, see, there's these are some of the things she's learned over the years we've been married, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Okay, the song is called Your Ship Has Come In, and here's just a little sample of it. And note the cello sound is off my iPad from a program called, an app called Thumb Jam. So do you like that? You know, I'm not just shining yawn. That is very, very pretty. Well, it's supposed to convey her excitement and the final, all of her life she's wanted to be able to do this. And then that's supposed to convey the excitement and the 
not like excitement, like jump up and down excitement, but like cry your eyes out excitement because you finally get to do what you wanted to yeah, do all I your life. It didn't seem like exciting music. It seemed it's not supposed to be. more melancholy. Well, you have to understand that the character that we're talking about has been through some pretty rough stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, she gets... It, it's, it seems like a lot of bad things happen to her. And this is a really good thing that happens to her. And as a result of it, she has that melancholy feeling to her and sarcastic feeling to her character. But this is something really cool that happens. And so that's what I wanted to convey was the the release of emotion and the, wow, finally something good has happened to me. So that's what I wrote. Mm-hmm. Cool, huh? Very cool. Yeah. And it's really fun to use all these different tools to do to do stuff with and... I would give you another example with the iPad, but I'm not going to because we don't have time for all that because we have a lot to talk about. Now, I did do one other song uh-huh. this week. I sang a U2 song. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah, and over it was... Over and over. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it turned out really nice, though. Thanks. <laughs> I like U2. Is that weird that I like U2? I don't know. I like U2, too. Okay. How do you say that? They I like U2 too. They had a big concert I like U2 too. That's the ballet version of the U2 band. U2 too. They had a big concert here in the Northwest. And, and if I would have known about it, we would have gone. Well, maybe. Well, yeah, their tickets are probably expensive. Yeah. The, um, a bunch of our friends went though, and that was mm-hmm. really cool. I was glad for them. Yeah. You know that Bono is so incredible now. Um, that he he sings so awesome, and for all these years he's done such a great job. They consider him a professional. So now you know what they call him? What? Pro bono. Pro bono. Ha ha ha. Ha. Well, that's not half as bad as when he went to that the big uh, dog fighting arena. Yeah. Yeah, and they all the audience tried to pick him up and throw him into the ring because they wanted to throw the dogs a bono. Okay, never mind. I won't. Uh... I think you should stop while you're behind. Okay. <laughs> okay. That was a nice way of saying it. <laughs> okay. So I guess I'll play a little bit of this song for you, too. I won't play the whole thing because, like I say, we have lots to talk about. But you can find this song over at StarTrekParodies.com. And do you remember the episode of the old Star Trek? The old, I call it the old. The original Star Trek. Do you remember watching that with me? Oh, yes, I do. Okay, do you remember the one where it starts out and Sulu and his friend are dressed in kind of like, I don't know, old... old Turn of the century, like... Turn of the century early, clothes, and they're running like through they're running through the streets. 1880s, 1890s. Right, they're running through the streets, something. and they're freaking out because this guy in a big brown robe with a hollow stick, uh, an intimidating-looking hollow, hollow mm-hmm. stick, is chasing after them. Yes, I remember that. You remember and that? And then people would like go crazy for a while, and then they walked the red hour. Zombies. Yeah, they were like zombies on the planet. But then during the red hour, they just went and they they went just crazy. yeah they went crazy and Scary. did all sorts of bad things and everything. But anyway, uh, basically the the show was all about this computer that became the the society that became um, uh, reliant on a computer named Landru. And Landrew originally was a human being, but then, of course, he died, and then the computer took over and became Landrew. And basically, uh, all these people followed him blind, blindly, and if they, they were either of the body or they weren't. And at long story short, the whole place served Landrew. And so I wrote this song. Well, I didn't write the song. I did the lyrics to the song. I think you, too, wrote the song. But do you remember that song, With or Without You? 
Yeah, I'm not going to try singing it because I don't sing well, but yeah, I like the song. Okay, well, I did Without Old Landrew. What do you think? It turned out well. All right, well, here's a little bit of it right now. Captain gave us an order. We've got to find some clue. It's no use, Mr. Sulu. Look, there's one of them. There's another one. Scouty party to Enterprise. Come in. Captain, beam us up quick. Emergency. Transporter room. Lock up a Sulu on O'Neill. Beam up immediately. We've got to make a run for it. We can't just stand here. See the brown rose really thick. See the hollow big long sticks. And they serve Landrew. Sulu underneath his charm The population he does harm And they serve Landrew It's all about Landrew It's all about Landrew The red hour comes and then they all Lose control for festival And they serve Landrew It's all about Landrew It's all about Landrew They can't live Without old Landrew Ranger these are young men. They're not old enough to be excused. They're visitors. Well, have they no lawgivers in the valley? Are you part of the body? Are you part of the body? Are you part? Are you part? Are you part of the body? Kirky tries. Tricks Landrew with his mind Sparks, they all fly Nothing left of him And they blew Landrew away And they blew Landrew away What do you think? And they blew, and they blew And they blew Landrew away mm-hmm. Yeah Okay, so I'm goofy. I mean, you can't really mess up a U2 song. Because, yes, you can. Well, oh, I've heard them butchered, it. butchered, butchered. <laughs> if I sang it, it would mess it up. But you did. I mean, it's a good, um, how do you call it? Parody, facsimile. Yeah, I'm just saying it. It's I a copied good it arrange- almost exactly, but I don't have Bono's voice. My goodness sakes, I can't sing like him. I thought, not very many people can sing like <coughs> him, but you did well. Yeah, I tried. My favorite is singing like Billy Idol or something like that. That's always fun. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anything else you want to talk about other than my electric blue daisies? Well, when are those going to get planted? They should be be here anytime. Maybe even today while we're doing the podcast, the UPS man will drive up. I thought they were going to get here yesterday, but they didn't. Did they have a tracking number? I don't know if electric blue uh, uh, daisies track. You you know your microphone's like clear that way. Can you turn it? Well, that helped. Oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That does help. 
That helps. So I ordered, I was, uh, my friend Joyce told Mm -hmm. me about an app on her iPad called Garden. I know. And so I I got it. I get in a lot of trouble with that app. I got the the app and Mm -hmm. I turned to uh, Garden. Mm -hmm. Or turned to Garden. I turned to the Garden. Hallelujah. No. (laughs) It's called Garden HD. And you turn it on, the app, and then you have plants, pests, a journal, guides, all these different things. And I was looking through different uh, flowers and saw, I was looking through different flowers and saw these daisies that were colored blue. And I thought, what does somebody do, like spray paint them or something? Because I've never seen a blue daisy before. And I got to looking and they really are a real plant. So I looked for them online. Are they an African daisy? or? I, I don't know. You don't know? Well, I could look it up real quick, but I'm not going to. I I ordered them. I know you did. And they were really not very expensive. Were and they like 50 cents a packet or something? No, a dollar a packet. dollar a packet. For 10 seeds. So I got 20 seeds for $2, and the shipping was like 4 So the shipping was more expensive than the than the seeds. But they're on their way. Should be here anytime. And I prepared my dirt. I put a video up. You can watch my preparing for the Electric Blue Daisies video on, on uh, YouTube at youtube.com. Slash Rick Moyer 777. So do you think since I do gardening about half the time uh-huh. that that I could write off getting an iPad with the gardening app? The gardening I, tried to, I tried to win you an iPad. Did you know that? Yeah, actually, you posted that on Facebook, I think. So that's how I found out. Yeah, well, I tried to get you one for our anniversary, but somebody beat me. I had a good video, too, but I had to do a video of why how online has changed our life business-wise. And I had a really cool video, but somebody else had a cooler one, and so I didn't win. But it showed you playing with Jade. How much better could you get than that having your know. cat? I don't know. <laughs> I didn't win, so I'm sorry Maybe about that. Maybe it wasn't a cat and dog lover. So, Joyce, thank you for turning us on to the Garden HD app, which I really I'm, like. I'm excited about that because sometimes some of my clients have different questions about their plants. And now you can answer and now I can borrow your iPad and look it up. Maybe. Maybe. No, of course you can. Let me borrow it. Sure. I probably have to write down the questions and come look it up at home because you wouldn't let me take that iPad Well, out. no. You just have to pry it out of my hands. And you might <laughs> have to kill me. So, you know, you never know. Yeah. After 25 years, you might know how. Oh, no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We will be right back. With our Mysteries of the Bible, Part 4. Mysteries of the Bible. After this message. And then, of course, the Mysteries of the Bible sound fun little intro. And then we'll be back to talk all about Noah and the Ark, the big flood. Is the Ark a lark? Let's find out. I'll take it with you. The Treks in Sci-Fi Podcast. Stand by to receive our transmission. Sci-fi entertainment news and commentary. I am Locutus of Borg. Star Trek episode analysis. Captain of the USS Enterprise. Pokey religions and ancient weapons. Collectibles, toy, and prop reviews. 
I am to misbehave. The weekly Treks in Sci-Fi podcast with your host Rico at treksinsci-fi.com. Hi, this is Kenny. And this is Jenny. We're the host of Knights of the Guild, the official fan podcast for the award-winning web series, The Guild. We're not like your typical fan podcasts. Both Jenny and I have worked on several seasons of The Guild and take our listeners behind the scenes to share our fun and crazy times on set. We also have exclusive interviews with cast, crew, and fans of The Guild. We keep you up to date on General Guild news and the latest happenings of our cast and crew. So please give us a listen on iTunes or at knightsoftheguild.com. I th- I got a huge kick out of the other day when my friend Kenny, the co-host of uh, Knights of the Guild podcast that you just heard the promo for, mm-hmm. asked for your cell phone number. Yeah, I was um I was driving down to a landscaping job down in Raymond and and I got a text message and of course I couldn't check it while I was driving. So uh-huh. when I got there, he he um Fired off several comments uh, he was, about the podcast. He was listening and, to the podcast. So I I um, answered him a couple times, but I was working too. So I didn't get to like chat with him very much, but it was nice visiting a little bit. Sure. Kenny is such a great friend of ours, and we just love him so much. He's been so busy lately. My goodness. I've been busy. He's been busy. But we chat back and forth with mm-hmm. Haytel and other other electronic devices. I'm sure he'll be back this way someday for more Swedish. I pancakes. hope so. I hope he comes back, <laughs> and I want to go visit him at his place. I think it's an awesome looking place down they there. They have sunshine. Yeah, most of the time. Actually, I had so much sunshine this last week. We had a couple really nice days. Yeah. And um, I was resting a, my wrist from a wrist injury. Resting from your wrist. Say that five times fast. No. Resting your wrist, um, resting your wrist, resting your wrist, so resting decided, your wrist, resting your wrist. So I decided, since it was so nice and I needed to, I needed my wrist to heal, that I would go out and read a book in the yard. Well, I'm not used to the sunshine, so I was no, wearing no. shorts. We could be called the Moyer Mayonnaise clan. I was wearing shorts and my husband said very we're nicely, um, do you have sunscreen on? I don't think that's a good idea. And I, I said, did say that. I said, oh, I should be fine. One of those moments in time when... I should be fine. And you know what? I have to say in front of the whole world or, or the, the few dozen people that are listening um, or hundreds or whatever there. Um, <laughs> the three people that are listening. <laughs> that you were right, dear. I, you I knew were I was. Right. And my legs turned lobster red. Yep. And I still have my the lines where my flip-flops were. Um that are still white, and then I had bright red in between. <laughs> so yep. we had a couple nice days, and then yesterday and today, it's been raining again. Well, we wanted to let everybody know mm-hmm. that next week is going to be a special podcast. Really? Well, you don't know this? No, it isn't. What special week? event is coming up in our life? Well, our 25th. Or wedding anniversary. That's right. So next up. next week is twenty five years of marriage. What we've learned in twenty in a quarter of a century. Yes. Wow. So we're going to be having a special podcast, and we wanted to know if you get anything out of the podcast, and you know Amy and I from the podcast because we we know a few people from our listeners, but we don't know everybody. Mm-hmm. You know us better than we know you because you listen to us every week, or a lot of you do. Mm-hmm. So we would think it would be really fun if we could get some audio comments 
And that would be really cool. You can call our hotline. Here's our hotline. You ready? Area code 206-414-THWY. That translates 8499. So it's 206-414-8499. And you can leave a comment on what you think about Amy and I as a couple. We would love to get your comments on uh, um, uh, just some observation that you've made. Now, I know... <laughs> now, 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 be nice because I know I interrupt her a lot. And the reason I interrupt my wife a lot is because if I don't, the podcast would be four hours long. <laughs> you only have one or two people complain about that. Well, I don't mean to be mean to you. I, I, and I've interrupted you before, too. I know you have. But so, I do it more than you do. Uh, maybe. I don't know. Well, yeah. I mean, if we could be talking about what color the sky was tomorrow or yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know. You just have a different way of looking at things than I do, which is why the podcast works, I think. You're but we, waffle, I'm spaghetti. Yeah. We yeah. Uh, we would really appreciate any comments. You can email us at rick at takehimwithyou.com. Or amy at takehimwithyou.com. You can call our hotline or you can send us an MP3 or an MP4 right from your iPhone or whatever. Or you iPad can leave or us whatever. A, a comment on Facebook. We'll probably write a question next week on Facebook. I don't know if too. I'll. I don't know. We'll we'll find we'll out. We'll see. But we would love to get your feedback. Whereas we celebrate our 25th wedding anniversary, we're going to talk about um, different things that we've learned over the years. And maybe you are out there listening, and you've been married for quite a while, or maybe just a little bit. But you have found some really cool things that uh, help you in your marriage. That would be awesome to hear from you about them. We'll put them, I mean, we'll listen to them first, obviously. And, uh, you know, if they're not too crazy, <laughs> we'll put them on. <laughs> we'll put the comments on. So uh, let us know what you think about us and our podcast and also anything that you've learned, anything good that you could share about communication or getting along or whatever uh, in the area of marriage would be awesome. So comments, gladly accepted. The number one more time is 206-414-8499. Okay, guess what time it is? What time is it? It's time for... Mysteries of the Bible. Today... Part 4 of Mysteries of the Bible. Is the Ark a lark? What about the global flood that supposedly happened? Did it really happen? And maybe debunking a few myths about Noah and the Ark. did that little mysteries of the bible thing on my ipad that doesn't surprise me i do a lot of things on my ipad yeah you do and you do them well yeah i, I fell asleep and drooled on it last night actually i took it from you i and, know and i tried while you were snoring next to me on the couch i tried to look up something but we've been having some issues it by the way it's working better now i re i had to restart the router 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You took it from me. And then, okay, here's my pet peeve. She types in stuff into the search bar. And instead of typing the URL into the normal bar, you typed it into the search bar. And that's why you were having the problems. Oh. Sorry. Yeah. Well, even after I did that, none of the YouTube videos worked. I was trying to. You have to use the YouTube application. I was trying to. I did. But even then, it didn't work. You know, it was probably because our router wasn't doing it good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I was trying to look up a show that I'd heard about on um, women talk, talk sci-fi. sci-fi that I'd never heard of before. And it was uh, one that a uh, director that I like some of his other things had done. One of his earlier shows. So I don't know if I'll ever take the time to watch it. But I just thought I was curious about what it was about. And that kind of thing. But I couldn't watch any of the trailers because I couldn't figure out how to do it on your iPad thing. Oh, I'll have to show you. Yeah. Yeah. iPad instruction. Well, here we are at our fourth installment of Mysteries of the Bible. And today we're going to be talking about something that is is really common knowledge across the entire world, and that is the story of Noah and the Ark. However, Mm -hmm. some people might not realize that the story isn't quite exactly like you see on the side of nursery walls or or in children's storybooks. There might be a little bit more to the story than what you've been led to believe. Quite a bit more. Quite a bit more. So we're going to pose the question today. First of all, do you think the story of Noah and the Ark is true? And was there actually a global flood at one time in the history of the earth? So in other words, is is the Ark a lark? Is it is it is it true or is it fiction? Fact or fiction, everybody? And we we asked that question mm-hmm. on Facebook and got we wow. Got a lot. Wow. I, I'll have to like too many responses. We can't read them all here. No, we can't. I'm not even sure how many. A lot. One, two. About like 33 comments? Yeah. That's a lot. It is. So we're going to have to figure out how to, um, what we should say here. I'm trying to find the question on mine and I'm not, I'm not having any It's not down too far. It's, you say it's right after the one good There it is. I got it. I got it. Oh yeah. Gee whiz. Some of them are long. Some are really short. Right. So we, they're they have some really good ones though. Well, I I just know that that there there's a lot of different opinions out there. You know, there's some people that believe the Bible literally that every single word in it is inspired and and they they would hang their hat on it and go to war over it. Then there's others that think that some of it is symbolism and some of it is history and so on and so forth and that. Um, that it's not some magical book. And then there's other people that don't believe in it at all and say think it's just a book of, of nonfiction. Tales. Yeah. And I remember my grandma telling me when I was a little girl, it's just stories like fairy tales. Right. And very few people that have a comment or an opinion on the Bible have actually ever read it. Mm-hmm. And that's where I find it kind of silly because here all these people are saying, well, it's this or it's that. And they have actually never actually read it. So how could they say that? Oh, I have a cool story for you. Okay. This is, um, I was talking to um, some friends of ours about our mysteries of the Bible. And I was talking about the aliens, actually, Uh the Nephrium, which, you know, it's not really clear what they were, but they were definitely not from this world. 
you know, some people think they were angels. We, that's another podcast that we did. And so I was telling that to um, these friends. And this guy who considered himself a Bible scholar had, you know, grown up reading the Bible, had never read that part. And here it is, you know, just in the beginning of Genesis, chapter yeah. 6. So well, a lot of people just, just skip through all cool. these things that we're talking about because they don't have an answer or they don't want to have an answer. Mm-hmm. They, these are, are, are passages of the Bible that are, some of them are theologically challenging. And mysterious. And mysterious. And so they well, kind of just skip over them. Well, now this is, this is what I found is that mm-hmm. a lot of people in our day and age um, have instead of the Bible being something that they that they look at as a, a wonderful information and to help them through life and everything, it becomes something they use as a weapon and try to hurt people with. They, yeah. they don't mean to sometimes, but they do. Mm-hmm. And and if it was to be challenged a little bit or looked at a little bit different way, it might just rough them up and they couldn't have the same lifestyle that they have now. Does that make sense? Well. Jesus addressed that in the New Testament mm-hmm. when he said, some of you complain about the speck of dust in, some, in someone's in your, eye. In your brother's and, eye. And you have a big board in yours. And you have a big plank in yours, and, yeah. And so, you know, it's like sometimes when you say people will use the Bible to to attack other people and say, you're not living right, you're a sinner or whatever, you're a scumbag, um, you know, the Bible should be something that we look at ourselves and go, well, yeah, I don't measure up to this. But but then this is about a God who loves me and has a plan for my life. Yeah. And, um, and he will help me measure up or he'll actually, he had a plan to send Jesus to die for our sins because all of us are messed up. Yeah. And so anyway, it, the book is, I did so anyway there. You did. I did. I didn't. But going on, um, the Bible, the whole point of this series is just maybe that people could read it for themselves and see the interesting things in it. Agreed. Okay, so we had lots of different comments, some Mm -hmm. religious, some not. And I think we should read through a few of them because we don't have time to read all 30 of them, 33 of them. Why don't I go as fast as I can? Okay. Head on through these and then then we're going to actually read the account. Mm -hmm. Okay. Ted says, yes, they found evidence. And the, the question is, do you think the story of Noah and the ark is true? Was there a huge flood like what is described? And Ted said, yes. Rhonda says, I'm a believer. Micah says, I have no reason to doubt this. Lisa says, yes, I believe it's true. Angie says, absolutely, there's evidence of it everywhere um, that most choose to ignore. Jessica says, yes, yes, yes. (laughs) Alan says, there are mountains around here where they dig for fossils of fish. The paleontologists will tell you they're not from the ocean floor being pushed up. They were left there within the last few thousand years. Hmm. And Danny says, not to become critical, but all of that is evidence of only a flood and not the story of Noah and the ark. Most would agree that many parts of the earth were underwater at one point or another. Alan says, but these are mountains. For them to be underwater pretty much everywhere would have to be. And then Danny says, 
But still, how does that tell the story of Noah and the ark? Again, Danny says, like, two more posts. Um, I guess I hate to see things called evidence when they can be more clues or indicators. Jesus being a historical figure does not mean <coughs> miracles happen. Sorry. The existence of King Darius does not mean the story of Daniel are true. There are always a leap of faith amongst much of the Bible. Well, perhaps. of course, there, there, well, there is, and, and then he says perhaps God wanted it that wanted it that way. Mm-hmm. There, I think there's leaps of faith there because we weren't there. Yeah. And and now don't anybody throw anything at me, but not only do people that believe in the Bible and and we leap by faith into some of these things uh, do that. But I know a lot of scientists and other people that do the yeah. same type of thing because they weren't there to watch it happen. Yeah. And so, you know, we gotta we have to all get along and go, well, okay, I can choose to believe certain things. It might not be true. Some of the things that we believe may not be what we they we think they are. But mm-hmm. that goes across the board for everyone. Yeah. We're not God, so we, we weren't there. Yeah. Okay. Alan says that alone it doesn't, but it is one compelling bit of supporting evidence. Lisa says, if it comes to being critical or believing, I choose cynical or believing. Uh, I choose believing, and it does wonders for my spirit. That's a good point. Um, Pauletta says, absolutely, yes, 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 the Bible says so, and that's all that matters, the Bible. Alan says, the thing that always amazes me is historians and archaeologists have often said, the Bible isn't true, it's just stories. Such and such doesn't exist, but then later they dig it up, and there it is, just like the Bible says. Um, when the Bible is proved right again and again and <coughs> again, you can be pretty sure that things aren't proven yet um, are probably true as well. And it, it goes on and well, on. Is, yeah, but Danny's right. There comes a point where faith is asking us to take a leap. Mm-hmm. I choose to believe in Noah based on the other things that I have found to be true, not based on incomplete evidence of the event itself. Yeah. And there's some... There's this is some... a pretty good comment, too. Go ahead. Okay, go ahead. Why don't you read for a while? My uh, voice Lisa is says, My out. pastor uses this analogy. Faith is like diving off a diving board into an empty swimming pool, knowing that God will fill it upon up on the way down. <laughs> Um, Jeannie said, yes, there's nothing in the Bible to give us the indication that it isn't to be taken literally. Um, Ryan said, what cracks me up is that it boils down to the same argument of today, whether to trust and believe in God or perish. I don't understand why science seems to try to disprove the existence of God, yet the so-called smarter than uh, the so-called... Oh, sorry, I think I hit the more button. The so-called smarter than everybody scientists flat out ignore evidence that by their own rules proves the existence of God over and over. The best way to know if anything in the Bible is true is to watch the birth of your own child. When you see that miracle with your own eyes, you know right then and there that evolution is a lie and that God didn't tell us a bunch of stories for a book. The next comment is to you. Oh, that's right. He says, to answer your question, yes, it is true. The evidence is overwhelmingly supporting the story of the global flood. And then Todd says, well, Rick, as Josh McDowell put, the evidence demands a verdict, and my verdict is yes, absolutely true. 
And in that, I can't believe the story of Noah. Um, how it can? How can I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me? And I said, true. And and that if I can't believe the yeah. story of Noah, how can I believe what Jesus did on the cross for me? Yeah. Stefan says, sorry to be the no, but yep, um, but yep, have been given evidence but nothing to date that has no other explanation and nothing that uh, definitely ties anything together. Sure, if you want to go on faith and say the Bible is right, who am I to argue? But um, but uh, would the evidence stand up under any legal scientific process? No, I don't think so. doesn't rule it out, but it doesn't make it so either. And then John says, I have no doubt that it is true. Lisa says, yes, it's all true. Gareth says, I don't think it's 100% true, nor is it a lie. It's all a matter of perspective to me. If I look back at the time um, it happened, uh, the world would have been a smaller place. Old maps, etc., showing nothing beyond set points. So a flooding of the world would be a more common term. As for a total flood of the world, like we know it today, I highly doubt it. So then uh, Ryan says, in order to see the evidence of a global flood, you must look at the entire globe. If you look at it through science eyes and rule, and rules, you will see it. The Grand Canyon, the way the continents fit together, fossils, ocean bottom creatures on mountaintops, and so on and so forth. And he goes on and, and talks about a bunch of different evidence that, that he believes has uh, indicated that the flood was true. Russ says, I believe in God, no doubts there. Uh, not just any God, but the one in the Bible that it talks about. And so, I have no reason to doubt that biblical account of Noah and the flood, a much larger leap of faith to believe in something scientific popular um, like evolution. And he you know, has a point there. Antony says, as you know, I'm not a believer. I do, however, believe that in history there was a great flood, not global, but huge, Mediterranean Sea flooding kind of huge, and this is what is reported in the Bible. But those are the thoughts of a non-believer. And then there's there's several more, but um, I really like what well Mark had a really interesting thing okay. to say. I, I thought this was interesting. He said he was commenting on some other people's um, comments, and he said, you know, the mount the mountains Rainier, St. Helens, Everest, etc., etc., et were all formed over a period of time. That would make uh, them one at, uh, at one time very much smaller than they are now. The bluffs outside of Aberdeen, here where we live. Uh, were formed by sedimentary layers. Uh, that means all of this was once underwater. Some of what we call mountains or hills are really outcroppings thrust upwards by the earth shifting in a cla- uh, chas- how do you say cataclysmic. cataclysmic event that very well could have happened in the events described in the Bible concerning the flood. A recent example, example, the tsunami in Japan had an effect to some degree on the entire planet. Multiply that effect to correspond with the biblical record, and you have a worldwide event in which every landmass was affected. Not possible? Those who, were, uh, those who were there say it did happen. And the Bible is not the only historical record of such an event. There are extra-biblical ancient texts from other cultures that testify to the same event. The Bible never has to catch up to the truth. The truth always has to catch up to the Bible because... It is way beyond our comprehension of what happened as people wrote under the divine inspiration of our Creator to give us a glimpse into antiquity. That was a 
Interesting. And Ted yeah. Plum lists a couple links that people might want to go to. Matter of fact, yeah, uh, one of them we'll be talking about. One of them I have the book in front of me that, yeah. that Ted talks about because I think we probably went to the same lecture. Yeah. And um, one of the things someone mentioned different uh, flood accounts. And according to the book I have in front of me um, that's called In the Beginning, Compelling Evidence for Creation and the Flood by Walt Brown, um, it lists that there are over 230 different flood legends um, across the world um, that have many common elements suggesting that they have a common historical source. Well, we, we'll talk about that when we talk about interesting facts about the whole thing. But now I think it would be fun. Well, there's one one last comment okay. from Connie says, of course it happened. So thank you, everybody, for your comments. We actually did get through them. <sighs> well, it's because you helped me. I don't read as fast as you do. <laughs> so well, you and did I think, a good job. I think it was, first of all, I have to say thank you for those people that have the guts to um, post when everybody else is saying something different, I, I just think that's really important that everybody is able to share their Everyone opinion. Can be heard, yes, and and especially if if they do it in a a decent and kind manner. Mm-hmm. And so I just want to say thank you to uh, those folks that had the guts to to put an opposite viewpoint on there without um, without making fun of people or being and, mean or anything like that. Yeah. I think that's important. And I'd like to say thank you too for those that do believe in the biblical account that you were nice as about you, presenting when the information. You responded. Yes, because um, it's sometimes hard for us when we yes. post something and then someone comes out and bashes one of our listeners. And I'm I know, going, it's like what. Um, no, we're not about bashing people or making right. fun of them for believing so differently. So please always feel free when you see one of our impromptu questions or you want to comment on the podcast. You're more than welcome to have a different opinion than ours. Mm-hmm. Again, you know, the reason we do the podcast is to let you know about things that you might not know. Mm-hmm. And also to talk about some of the controversial issues in a way that's not threatening. Because quite honestly, yes, I would love it if you would believe the way I do because I think that if you believe the way I do, that uh, there's some really exciting things ahead for you in your future because God, um, you can be in heaven for eternity and there's some really good benefits of serving God. I believe that. But if you don't believe that, it's okay. I mean, it's not okay to me. I don't know how to describe it. I'm not going to force you to believe anything that I believe because I don't think that's right. If God gave you free will, what can we do different, you know? But we can present what we... um what we believe. What we believe. And then sure. it's up and that's, to you know, that's why you probably to... listen to the podcast so you can get a different perspective on things. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. Okay, so why don't we read the actual account? Okay. In um where is it at? It is um Genesis and I think we should start at the beginning of Genesis chapter six because it's really interesting because it talks a little bit about what we talked about in previous weeks. Um, I think it's part of the whole story. Okay, so okay, so let's go ahead and start then in chapter six of Genesis. Well, actually, let's start in five, at the very end of five. So, Amy, you read that part. Okay. Oh, um, by the way, this is in the New Living Translation. Actually, no, it is in the New King James version. Uh, you told me New Living. New King James. <laughs> uh, I have to change my thing then. New King James. New King James. There it is. Okay, go ahead. Okay, this is verse 32 of chapter 5. And Noah was 500 years old, and Noah begot Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Okay, and then 
Genesis chapter 6, verse 1 says, Now it came to pass, when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born to them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were beautified for themselves of all whom they choose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh. Yet his days shall be one hundred and twenty years. There were giants on the earth in those days. And also afterward, when the sons of God came in to the daughters of men, and they bore children to them, those were the mighty men who were of old, men of renown. I'm hearing a lot of sounds come from you there. I'm sorry, I was just turning the pages. I'm in a real oh, book. You're in a real book. I'm in a, You're a real book. <laughs> then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made men on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing, and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord." Okay, we'll stop there for just a moment, and now we now we see the reason behind the flood mm-hmm. uh, was because men, uh, men and women, mankind had become evil to the point of having to basically reboot. Yeah, and it wasn't it wasn't just that they had a bad thought every once in a while that they had to kind of they were chase continually off. evil. So they were continually like evil hearted. Okay, so in verse nine it says, "This is the genealogy of Noah." Noah was was a just man, perfect in his generations. Noah walked with God, and Noah begot three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth was also corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. So God looked upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt, for all the flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and outside with pitch. And this is how you shall make it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, its width 50 cubits, and its height 30 cubits. Now, you actually have the measurements of that, right? Yeah, a cubit. A cubit was considered... I thought a cubit was what they got in Battlestar Galactica when they played poker. No. Um, this was a form of measurement oh, okay. that was generally considered from the elbow of a, a grown man to mm-hmm. the end of his fingertips. And that's usually, that's considered about a foot and a half okay. for a cubit. So that means that this um, arc that God told him to build would make it about 400 feet, 450 feet long, which would barely fit inside of a... Um, big football stadium today. Okay. And it would make it um, 75 feet wide and okay. 45 feet tall. Wow. Okay. So this is one big, one big boat, okay. if you call it a boat. Yes. Then he says, You shall make a window for the ark, and you shall finish it to a cubit from above, and set the door of the ark in its side. You shall make it with lower second and third decks. Well, that's interesting, too. You don't hear that a whole lot, do you? And behold, I myself am bringing floodwaters on the earth to destroy from under heaven all flesh in which is the breath of life. Everything that is on the earth shall die. 
But I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall go into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. And of every living thing of all flesh you shall bring two of every sort into the ark, and keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female, of the birds after their kind, of animals after their kind, and of every creeping thing on the earth after its kind. Two of every kind will come to you to keep them alive, and you shall take for yourself all of, of all food that is eaten, and you shall gather it to yourself, and it shall be food for you and for them. Thus Noah did according to all that God commanded him, so he did. Well, that's an, okay, so that's really interesting. So that, that would take a long time to, well, that, to gather all the food for all the animals that God was going to send him. You know, I think this is interesting too, though, that not only um, did Noah take animals onto the ark, but he also took seeds for the food. Yeah, well, did you and, notice and that? Because where would have, the seeds have gone if they the And he thing? had to have enough food to, to eat. feed himself and, and the, the animals, animals for yeah. a whole year. Very interesting. More than a year, actually. Now, this is really going to be interesting as we go on, because we're going to go into now Genesis chapter 7, and you're going to see a little more detail of what really took place in the story. <clears throat> Excuse me. Then it said, Then the Lord said to Noah, Come into the ark, you and all your household, because I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. You shall take with you seven each of every clean animal, a male and his female, two each of animals that are unclean, a male and his female, also seven each of birds of the air, male and female, to keep the species alive on the face of all the earth. For after seven more days I will cause it to rain on them, the earth, forty days and forty nights, and I will destroy from the face of the earth all living things that I have made. And Noah did according to all that the Lord commanded him, Noah was 600 years old when the floodwaters were on the earth. Okay, so now we see something completely different about the story that mm -hmm. we didn't see before, that most people don't know. And that was, it wasn't just two of every animal, but it was also seven of every clean animal. Now, what's the difference between a clean and a not clean animal? Well, there are specific verses in the Bible that talk about the differences, but if you boil it down, mm -hmm. clean animals ate like healthier the non-clean animals ate like garbage and poop okay i, I don't know how else to say that right. but they ate like um but couldn't you tell by their hooves yeah some were cloven hooves some that it describes them chewing their cud that means i grew up on a farm and you so a, so a cow would be a clean animal a cow is a clean animal so he would have taken seven cows mm-hmm and he would take in, what was it, five, was it five female and two males? How did it say? Oh, it, I, it just said um, seven. Um, I think, I don't, it didn't specifically say but just says how male many and female. male and female. Okay. So, right. like, I grew up on a farm, and yeah. we had one bull to, like, 200 cows. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so it could have been six heifers and one But we don't know the breakdown. Bull. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't really, really say. But I, I did a little math a little while ago and thought this is interesting because rabbit is considered a clean food, I believe. I, I don't know all of the ones that are clean and that aren't. But if you take a rabbit and you had six female rabbits and one male rabbit and assuming that the female rabbit could um, 
produce about every three or four months uh, a batch of baby rabbits Mm -hmm. that by the end of a year, where did I do that math? You'd have a lot of rabbits. You would have, if six, if you had six rabbits having babies, by the end of the year with three batches of babies with just four in each batch, Uh that's 72 more babies. They have more than four. Yeah, but I was being conservative. And, okay. and then some of those babies could have had babies. Right. So after a year on the ark, you could have hundreds of rabbits, which is a good thing because not only would the humans on the ark need to eat, but also you wouldn't want those lions and tigers and stuff to get hungry. <laughs> you well, want to be feeding them too. Yeah. And they did take... Um, they said they took fodder on the, you know. Right. Food for the food animals. for the animals, too. But go ahead. You can keep reading. I just thought that was okay. interesting. Verse 7 in chapter 7 says, So Noah with his sons, his wives, and his sons' wives went into the ark because of the waters of the flood. Of clean animals, of animals that are unclean, of birds, of everything that creeps on the earth, two by two they went into the ark of Noah, male and female, as God had commanded Noah. And it came to pass after seven days that the waters of the flood were on the earth in the 600th year of Noah's life. (coughs) I'm sorry, I'm having a lot of coughing today. In the second month, the 17th day of the month, on that day, all the fountains of the great deep were broken up and the windows of heaven were opened and the rain was on the earth 40 days and 40 nights. On that very same day, Noah and Noah's sons Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and Noah's wife and all three wives of his sons with them entered the ark. They and every beast after its kind, all cattle after their kind, every creeping thing that creeps on the earth after its kind, and every bird after its kind, every bird of every sort. And they went into the ark to Noah two by two of all flesh in which is breathing of life. So so those that entered, male and female of all flesh, went in as God had commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. I thought that was interesting. You could stop right there. Uh-huh. It says, and the Lord shut him in. Well, it's probably a good thing because uh, they didn't want that to leak. Yeah. Well, and later on when we come to historical accounts of people that have witnessed the ark, it was interesting that one of the eyewitnesses that saw the ark on Mount Ararat said that the door closed from the top down like you would a um, garage door today. Oh, interesting. Wasn't that interesting? Yeah. So it wasn't, you know, it was probably a pretty big door. Yeah. Since you had to fit big animals in it and stuff. That is interesting. How could Noah shut it? So it says right there, God shut that door. That's interesting. Now the flood was on the earth 40 days. The waters increased and lifted up the ark, and it rose high above the, the earth. The waters prevailed and greatly increased on the earth, and the ark moved about on the surface of the waters. The waters prevailed exceedingly on the earth, and all the high hills under the whole heaven were covered. The waters prevailed fifteen cubits upward, and the mountains were covered. And all flesh died that moved on the earth, birds and cattle and beasts and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, and every man, all in whose nostrils was the breath of the spirit of life." All that was on the dry land died. So he destroyed all living things which were on the face of the ground, both man and cattle, creeping thing and bird of the air. They were destroyed from the earth. 
Only Noah and those who were with him on the ark remained alive, and the waters prevailed on the earth 150 days. Okay, so do we go on? Yep. Okay, it says in, in chapter 8, Then God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the animals that were with him in the ark. And God made a wind to pass over the earth, and the waters subsided. The fountains of the deep and the windows of heaven were also stopped, and the rain from heaven was restrained, and the waters receded continually from the earth. And at the end of the month, on the mountains... Um, at, uh, oh, I'm sorry. And at the end of the 150 days, the water deceased decreased, sorry, deceased, decreased. Then the ark rested in the seventh month, the 17th day of the month, on the mountains of Ararat. And the waters decreased continually until the 10th month. In the 10th month, on the first day of the month, the tops of the mountains were seen. So it came to pass at the end of 40 days that Noah opened the window of the ark, which he had made. Then he sent out a raven, which kept going to and fro until the waters had dried up from the earth. He also sent out from himself a dove to see if the waters had receded from the face of the ground. But the dove found no resting place for the sole of her foot, and she returned into the ark to him, for the waters were on the face of the whole earth. So he put out his hand and took her and drew her to the ark, into the ark to himself. And he waited yet another seven days, and again he set out, sent out the dove from the ark. Then the dove came to him in the evening, and behold, a freshly plucked olive leaf was in her mouth, and Noah knew that the waters had receded from the earth. So he waited yet another seven days and sent out the dove, which did not return again to him any more. And it came to pass in the six hundred and first year, in the first month, the first day of the month, that the waters were dried up from the earth, and Noah removed the covering of the ark and looked, and indeed the surface of the ground was dry. And in the second month, on the twenty-seventh day of the month, the earth was dried. Then God spoke to Noah, saying, Go out of the ark, you and your wife, and your sons, and your sons' wives, with you. Bring out with you every living thing of all flesh that is with you, birds and cattle and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, so that they may abound on the earth, and be fruitful and multiply on the earth. So Noah went out, and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him. Every animal, every creeping thing, every bird, and water, uh, and whatever creeps on the earth, according to their families, went out of the ark. And there you go. And, you know, it goes on. It says that Noah on. built an altar for God mm -hmm. and took every clean animal and every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And the Lord smelled the soothing aroma and then the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake, although the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth, nor will I again destroy every living creature, um, every living thing as I have done. And and it goes on and says some other things. But there we, there's the actual biblical account now of mm -hmm. Noah and the ark. And there's a lot more. If, if someone wants to go you can read a whole bunch read more. a bunch more about Noah and God's promise you know, sending the rainbow and all that. Well, yeah, so I mean, I mean, he said to them, he, I remember he gathered them together and he said, be fruitful and multiply. And uh, basically he said, you know, you're going to start all over again and here's what you need to eat and here's how you need to do this. And, mm -hmm. and uh, of course they did it first and everything, but as time went on, of course we know um, that, um, you know, it basically says how, how men multiplied on the earth again. And then of course, a lot of bad stuff happened again. But well, and it's interesting that 
up until the sixth chapter of Genesis, you don't have a, a such a detailed account. Once you get to the story of Noah, it details, well, it took him about 100 years to build the ark. Yeah. And then once he got that finished, once the flood came, it had a very detailed account of that whole whole year. Yes. It it wasn't just a lot of times, you know, you'll hear in a, a children's song, 40 days and 40 nights it rained. It didn't happen just for um, 40 days. It was a lot longer. So what are some interesting facts? How How long really were they in the ark? They were in the ark for 378 days. That's very interesting. Okay, so or at least they started loading the ark, and then it was actually 371 days after it started raining Raining. and flooding. And that word rain, Mm -hmm. it was interesting as I was doing some research here. It said the rain, the word rain is actually translated in Hebrew as. Geshem, which means the most violent rain. Interesting. And it's used again in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 13. Um, and this word, Geshem, rain, is um, so hard that it can destroy um, mortared walls. So we're talking like hurricane We're not talking about just a little sprinkle. Rain. We're not talking about even a shower. We're talking about a deluge. How do you say that? Deluge. A deluge. <laughs> deluge. Um, so that was really interesting. Another um, another thing that was interesting is another Hebrew word where it talks about in Genesis um, about the the how great the waters rose that the word should have actually been translated greatly, greatly. But we don't talk that way in English. Right. But in Hebrew, they had a double superlative construction. So it would be the the waters increased greatly or extremely is how we would translate it to mm-hmm. English. But in Hebrew, it would be greatly, greatly. <laughs> um, so th- this wasn't a little tiny flood. Well, I know there's people that say there wasn't a flood on the earth. Now, you have some interesting things about um, uh, a, how many cultures did you say at the beginning of the podcast? 270 different accounts of a great flood on the earth? Let me get back to that section. I I was on a different one. Well, I mean... Um, yeah, there was... Um, I mean, we know that from, it was over two hundred and thirty different okay, legends. Okay, they had many common uh, commonalities, um, but there are so many different things. Just to briefly cover them, I'm just going to list them off, and, and then we can always get more research. You can email us, and we can give you more information. Yeah, and on our on our web page. On our Facebook page, your uh-huh. Facebook page, it actually had the link to. Well, we can that put that in the notes too. We can put these. that in our notes. But you just have to go to takehimwithyou.com and check our notes, and we'll have that. Uh, we'll have some uh, links to places you can read some more. There are many things that, like Earth scientists, have had a hard time explaining, mm-hmm. but can be explained with a cataclysmic flood flood whose waters erupted from worldwide subterranean and interconnected chambers 
with the energy release exceeding the explosion of 10 billion hydrogen bombs. Wow. The many <coughs> consequences of this event, which include the rapid formation of the features listed below, involve phenomena that um, are well understood. So I'm just going to list these off, and then if you go to the websites we'll have on our our webpage, um, you can look up the explanation of each of these. But the Grand Canyon <coughs> and other canyons. Mm-hmm. Um, can be explained. We had a canyon created in just a few days or a few hours, really, at Mount St. Helens when all the snows melted and those ash and the mud created canyons. Um, Mid-oceanic ridge, the continental shelves and slopes, ocean trenches, sea mounts and table mounts, earthquakes, magnetic variations on the ocean floor, submarine canyons, Coal and oil formations, glaciers and ice ages, frozen mammoths, major mountain ranges, overthrust, volcanoes and lava, geothermal heat, metamorphic rock, strata, plateaus, salt domes, the jigsaw fit of the continents. Have you ever thought about taking a map apart, cutting all the continents, and they almost fit together if you can see how they could fit. Uh-huh. And also fossil graveyards. And some of our our um, listeners on our Facebook comments talked about how they found fossil graveyards of clams and sea creatures on top of mountains. Right. Well, that shows that that those mountains weren't always mountains or, or that, that somehow... They, they could have been... Well, they were underwater at They one were point. underwater at some time, covered, yeah... And I think also, with my reading, it talks about that that mountains probably weren't as tall before the flood, and that after the flood, that the earth um, was tipped and buckled, and it buckled these sedimentary layers and created a lot of um, the mountains have been pushed up after these sediments and these... um, Sea creatures were deposited on them, mm-hmm. and so um, so some places were flattened in the flood, and others were pushed up. And someone mentioned the tsunami in Japan, mm-hmm. how it moved. Um, how many feet were they closer? Or Japan is now closer to us on the west coast than yeah. they used to be yeah. because of the shifting right of, of the tectonic plates. The and tectonic stuff. Yeah. plates, yeah, the different. So, so it's so very I, fascinating. Well, all I, the I think things. too. Sometimes we come across as we know how everything works when in when in actuality we don't. We, no. we once we go through a catas- catastrophic event, then we get a lot more insight into what can happen. But we really don't know what that would have been like, other than we can we can assume and we can think about it, but we can't recreate that. Not um, on a global scale. Well, but but yeah. but it has been recreated in some aspects when a volcano erupts, yeah. like it did here down in Oregon by us. We actually went up to Mount St. Helens, and some of the things that happened. Well, uh, it was Southern Washington w- by Oregon. Yeah. Oh, it's it's I in thought Washington. It was Oregon. Oh, it is. Okay. Yeah, but it's oh, Southern that's right, Kelso Longview, right yeah. down by there. Yeah, and but it, but we went amazing. and saw it, and and there were things that happened. That scientists just scratched their heads because they didn't realize that could happen so quickly, 
and that it looked like stuff that we we assumed was a certain way in science, but after seeing it happen right there, yeah. um, they changed their tune on some things because mm-hmm. again we don't really know what happened so long ago because we weren't there. So we can grab the Bible and and you're right, you know, folks that we're talking about this, you have to kind of by faith go, well, I, I hope the Bible knows what it's talking about. And then and then as we do see some science science stuff does start to explain some of these things as you look at it. Mm-hmm. Um I you know and I, I do think that it, that it is interesting that there does seem to be some type of conspiracy with um, if you if you're a hardcore scientist, well, you don't believe in God, but that isn't necessarily true no. because we know lots of scientists that do believe in God and helps them explain what they're seeing. Well, a lot and of the, a lot of the scientists that people are quoting and you know looking back onto Aristotle and um, oh, what's the the guy that created um, vaccines? Um, Oh, my mind's drawing a blank. But, but um, the guy that made penicillin, um, or what was I don't Pasture, know. Pasture, Louis Pasture. Oh, okay, pasteurizing. Um, he was he was a um, he was a Christian. There's tons, tons of the people that. Well, I think it's it's really God. important. It's really important for people to know that just because you believe in God doesn't mean you cash your brains in. No. At the door, He gave us a mind and an intellect, and I and I think it's sometimes we. For some reason, there's this this pride inside of people that says, well, I'm not going to believe in God because then I have to deal with that whole thing, and I don't want to deal with God. And and uh, I think that's really important for people to come to grips with the fact that it's okay to believe in God, and it and it's and it's okay to to talk about that and to and let Him explain things as you go through, not not the kind of way where you believe in fantasy and you. And you explain things away by just saying, well, that's what God said. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that you have to cast your brains in. And I think a lot of people have because they haven't they haven't taken the time to really look and observe things and really research. But I don't think it's a conflict. I, I really don't think there's that big of a conflict as people say there is. Well, I think it comes down to they're uncomfortable. Some people are uncomfortable with, with acknowledging God because then it means if the, if he does exist, what do I do with that? What mm-hmm. do I do with him? And some people don't want to deal with that. Well, and one of the things that people would say would be about Noah specifically was mm-hmm. how could he fit all those animals on the ark? Right. So if we can address that really quickly. Sure. How, okay, Amy, how, um, could, how could Noah fit all those animals on the ark? We're talking seven of the clean animals and two of the unclean animals. Mm-hmm. Well, there was approximately 1.5 million cubic feet on the ark. That's a lot. That's how equivalent to how many story building? It's equivalent to a four story building. So a four story building, the length this, of a football field. Yeah, that would fill up a football <clears throat> stadium. It's actually, yeah. It's so a it big, might it might be kind of cramped quarters. But, but there was three but levels. Smaller animals could actually, if they were in cages, be stacked several high. Right. I mean, it might not be the most comfortable, comfortable, but but they were only be. in there for a year. And this is another thing that's interesting uh-huh. is that, for instance, dog, mm-hmm. you wouldn't have to have the whole canine genome. Thing. Yeah, if if you had, for instance, a pair of wolves, uh-huh. there because dogs have similar genes, similar organs, they can all interbreed. Okay. 
So if you have a, a couple of kind of wolf-like wild dogs or something, mm-hmm. um, they could be the ancestors for coyotes, for dingoes, for jackals, foxes. And this, well, it's an example of what scientists so call microevolution. Microevolution. It's not macroevolution because they're not changing from a canine to to a feline. A feline. Right. They, you know, they're in. They their stay same within sp- their gene pool. Mm-hmm. But, but the fact is, you can get hundreds and thousands. Well, we of know that for a fact. Varieties. Well, I mean, when we have, we've had batches of kittens and guinea pigs, mm-hmm. and you can have two. Uh, you can have a striped cat and a and a white cat mate together, and they can come out with with tabbies and black and white and all different brown kinds. and and it's like yeah. what what's all this? Well, it's in their it's in their genome or, um, or in their yeah, genes. Yeah, they have their genetics. And with guinea pigs, the same thing. We'd have two two like skitzy haired ones. I can't remember what those are called, but we and and they would be completely different colors. They would mate, and the babies would be some would be, have smooth hair mm-hmm. and be completely different colors. And yeah, and, and as you went on, they were just yeah, it was fascinating. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Okay, so, so what's some other fascinating things about um, how how well, it would be on the Well, we talked about this, too, because some people says, well, how could you get dinosaurs or elephants on the ark? Right. And you think, well, maybe God sent them smaller dinosaurs, you know. Well, they like could have been babies. Younger, yeah. younger ones right. and younger elephants. Sure. He didn't say they sent them, you know. 40 year old ones right. that were big he right. could have sent yearlings which would be young and younglings younglings so there's just there's so much i would encourage people to go to some of these websites and read, um, read for yourself and one other thing i found interesting when i was researching for this is all the different accounts and you know i gotta admit i've been kind of skeptical about this because it's so old I wouldn't think there'd be anything left of the ark. Right. But I have several pages here in this book I'm looking at that have um, different historians. I think I talked about Josephus and... No, you didn't. Oh, I didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, there's ancient historians like Josephus, who was a Jewish Roman historian. Uh Um, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing this right, but Barosus... He was a um, Chaldean historian. Uh-huh. He mentioned the arcs, the ark in his writings. Marco Polo also wrote about the ark, that it was reported to be on a mountain in greater Armenia. And over a dozen other Christian and Jewish leaders during the period of 200 to 1700 A.D. wrote that the ark was still preserved. Interesting. And even in more modern times... We've had um, British scientists and um, that supposedly found the ark, um, but they were like skeptics and they threatened to kill the guides if they reported it. And years later, that was about 1856. Years later, one of the Armenians then living in the United States and one of the British scientists, independently of each other, mm-hmm. reported what they found that they had found the ark. And what? How did they describe it? Well, um, I'll come to that. This was really interesting. Um, it's a couple further on. There is um, James Bryce, who is a, a Sir James Bryce. So I guess that would make him a knight. Um, he was a British scholar and traveler in the mid nineteenth century. He um, 
was convinced the ark was still preserved and finally in 17 no 1876 he ascended to the summit of the mountain and found at the 13,000 foot level a piece of hand-tooled wood four feet long that he believed was from the ark and then there were um, Turkish Turkish commissioners in 18 83 that did a series of articles where they had an expedition up there and they found it it had one of the things is is where it is supposedly at on mount ararat is usually frozen all year long okay but in this one year they had a, an unusually warm summer so that they were able to get at it a little bit that was 1883 and they ent- they claim that they entered and examined the ark. This was really interesting. George Hoglepine, Pine, I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name, H-A-G-O-P-I-A-N. Um, in another warmer summer in 1902, he was Ar- an um, Armenian boy, and his uncle climbed Mount Ararat and reached to the ark that was reportedly sticking out of an ice pack the boy climbed over the ark and examined it in great detail. Um, later on, he um, drew a picture. And another guy, I'm skipping down a bit because there's Russian pilots and Turkish soldiers that talked about it in in the 1900s around World War I. Um, in 1943, a sergeant in the U.S. Army was stationed in Iran, and he developed a close friendship with um, the tribesmen in that area. And they showed him a lot of things that they said came from the Ark. But they were um, a Muslim tribe, Mm -hmm. and they had sworn on their life to kill anyone that got near the Ark. But he became a um, friend with a tribal leader named Abbas Abbas, And this tribal leader and his seven sons took Davis on a three-day climb up to Mount Mount Ararat. And it was really cold rain, and they weren't able to get super close. They got about a half mile away. But the people that had seen it more described it as a flat-bottomed construction that it had wooden pegs in it instead of nails, and that the door opened from the bottom upward, like a garage door, Mm -hmm. and that it consisted of um, 48 compartments in the middle of the top deck. And so it had several decks and different compartments and living quarters. And and living quarters, too. (coughs) So, and this guy... This Davis guy, um, in eighty-five of this of this last century, nineteen eighty-five and eighty-six, um, drew up um, had different face-to-face questioning by several ARC researchers, and in eighty-nine passed a lie detector test about it. Wow! So, and it's interesting because these two, the young boy that saw it in 1902 shortly before his death he drew up pictures about it and this other um, sergeant from 
the U.S. at Davies, he drew up pictures, and they were quite similar. Interesting. And um, But again, they weren't like a boat. They looked more like the Hebrew word, more like a coffin. It was more flat-bottomed. And then it had different levels and different compartments, living That's absolutely fascinating. Now, why do you think, Amy, since I know they've done like In Search of Noah's Ark and they've done uh-huh. different documentaries on it, why do you think that, um, why do you think we, what, what's the main thing? Why can't we just go there and see it and take the readings and do all the archaeological work on it? Why, what's stopping us? Okay, well, there's, there's several things. One is the weather uh-huh. because... It's most of the time it's very poor. Bitter cold. It's very high up, mm-hmm. and it's very very cold, and it's mostly packed in ice. Most and that's of probably the, the reason that it's still there. I mean, that, yeah. that, that's still actually intact because, um, I mean, I, I've heard stories of it being broken apart and stuff yeah, like this. Yeah, and they they did, but it's say, very very old. So the chances they of said something there was existing two sections of it that were uh, apart, about a half mile apart. But anyway, there's two sections. And obviously that happened over time. And yeah, stuff like it's that. probably but different. The fact that there would be anything left is, is miraculous. That is miraculous. I, it, to me, it's even it's hard for me to wrap my mind around that it could still be there. I, but, I find it fascinating, though, that some people will say, well, it never existed, but yet they found evidence. So how in the world do they people say that? <laughs> but there's also two, there's also other reasons, because you have... Um, a war going on in that area today mm-hmm. still between the Kurds and the Turkish government. So that it's political and, the, and a lot of politics. It's very hard. And like I said, those tribal people yeah. that have sworn sworn on their life to not let anybody go yeah, get it. They'll kill people if they <clears throat> try to get up there to it. And you would think they would want to prove it. Well, but in the Muslim religion, there's also the story of Noah and the Ark. Yes. So, you know, to them it's holy too, not just to the Christians, right? And not just to the Jews. It's it's something that all three. It's in all three of our religions, religions, our okay. faith. All right. But um, but part of the problem is, if you were to go there today and got a pass from the Turkish government to go up, the Kurds wouldn't respect that pass. So they could and they kill could you. kill you, right. and opposite is also true if you got a pass from the kurds then the turkish government could kill you and if you ate kurds and whey a spider would come and sit next to you and <laughs> okay. scare you away so anyway it's it has been very hard for people there have or been some people curds. that have gone up there no offense to you if you're a kurd people have taken that but, just occurred to me oh no go ahead Anyway, people have taken pictures of it, but again, it's covered in ice most of the time. And, and do we have pictures we can can aim people at so they can look at them? Um, you know, I'm sure that there are some on the website. This one, I'm sure if you type Noah's Ark into the search engine, yeah. but of course, you know, it's pretty hard to believe photos nowadays of anything because yeah, they can all be doctored. Be. But okay, so the, the, these are very fascinating and things. And to me, my faith doesn't rest on whether. It's up there. Your or not. face doesn't. My yeah. face. Oh, she doesn't say what. I mean, there's a lot of things that happened even ten years ago that we couldn't find record of today. You know, right, because, right. but that doesn't mean it didn't happen. Yeah. But but anyway, there's some really neat information out there. We'll put some links on our website if people want to look Let's into it more. See some more information. Now, here's the big deal. Okay. I come from the angle that God doesn't put things in the Bible for no reason. Mm-hmm. So we've just talked about the story of Noah and the Ark, 
We've talked about evidence that talks about, you know, the flood, a global flood happening on the earth. Uh, we've talked about, um, you know, archaeological things and people, you know, trying to find the ark and all these. We talked about the, the how big it was, what it consisted of, who was on it, all these different things. We've, we've covered all those things. But why do you think the story of Noah and the ark is in the Bible? What is the... What's the spiritual significance behind it? And we'll close with this. What What is the spiritual significance behind that that whole story? Any ideas? You know, for to for me, one of the things I get out of it was when God said He was sad that He had regret that He made man, mm-hmm. and yet even in all of His regret, He found someone that was a faithful person and. He made the choice to save Noah and his family. When he could have just wiped out everything. He could have just wiped out all the animals. And, and he may have people. done that. He may have done that, like we said in Genesis chapter 1. Way back when, there could have been a whole civilization that was completely wiped out. Yeah. It may have happened. With asteroids or with something else. Or, or like whatever. Like you said, God could have just said. Wiped them out. But, but you're right. On. He loved us. So, he loved human beings so much. That he did spare us. He wanted us. to give him a second We chance. wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for him saving Noah and his family. Well, and it, I, I don't want don't to minimalize this, but we watched a movie a while ago that I was like, they weren't very original, were they? Because it, it was talking of kind of an end of the world kind of... Oh, the 2012 movie? Yeah, but I didn't want to spoil it by saying oh, the it's, name Oh, it's already it. been out for a while. People haven't seen it. <laughs> they had arcs, but yeah. They had arcs. Yeah. And, you know, it's kind of like I've, I've seen demonstrations before of how much pressure, um, how, how great a structure you'd have to have and how, in order for it to survive, that, for it to survive that kind the of thing. And, and the, the, way it was, yeah. the way it was made, it was made very sturdily and, right. and was able but the to ser- do But the spiritual significance of it to you then is that God loved people enough to spare them. Yeah, he he loved mankind and his creation enough to give it a second shot, even right. though they had turned into a real murderous, hateful, yucky type um, of fo- people. Kind of people, and so. <clears throat> well, to me, I think the story is really interesting because I, I think it it's the spiritual significance to me is that God, even when when the people were evil and corrupt found a way for them to be safe through a very, very hard situation and loved them enough to save them and to preserve that the race. I, I think I think it's a type and shadow of God saving us if we will accept, you know, what he's done for us. He'll protect us and keep us safe. And we come out on the other side with a whole brand new start. Mm-hmm. I think that it's significant in that way for me spiritually. So it's just a fascinating story all the way around. And uh, one that deserves and is is uh, worthy of study. So mm-hmm. we just recommend to everybody who's listening, you know, take a look at the spiritual significance of the story in your own life, and then do a little research and look at it a little heavier. It's not. I I think we've really knocked over some myths that it was just a kid's story with some giraffes poking out of the of, of a and little you tiny know, boat. And if you think about it. How how did we make it into a little nursery story? I don't anyway? know. I think because, we dumbed it down is what we did. Because it, we do that with a lot of it's things. It's a pretty heavy story. It's I a pretty mean, heavy story and kind of and scary. I don't know how how big the population was at the time. 
but you know, it was a pretty bad situation. Or hundreds of thousands of people died. died. Yeah. And you know, a lot of animals died. It was a pretty grotesque. I mean, if you were to make Noah in the Ark into a movie and show actually what, what happened, really today, happened, it would it definitely would not, be rated R. And, well, it would be rated R, and, and it probably and, wouldn't be a real blockbuster either. Well, I don't know, 2012. I, I don't know if it was or not, but I guess catastrophe. They could play it on the Sci Fi Channel. Yeah, they could. <laughs> the scariest. So there you go, television. everybody. That's Noah and the Ark. Is the Ark a lark? Well, we came to the conclusion that it's not. And everyone can come to their own conclusion. It's, it's but read for yourself. Something, yeah, you know, and that's the whole thing. I on our po- on our podcast site, which is takingwithyou.com, we will post some links so that you can go and read for yourself some different opinions because a majority of the stuff out there is it's a myth. It didn't really happen, blah, 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 blah. But there are other opinions. And, mm-hmm. and if you are really open-minded, go take a look. Yeah. It'll be very interesting. Okay. Thank you, everybody, for listening to our show. We could really use your help. If you would like to uh, keep taking with you, coming to you every week, and bless our family, we could use some donations for the podcast. I just renewed MoyerMultimedia.com that has all the storage for all of our different things, and we've got some other things coming up that we need to do. So if you could help, that would be awesome. You can click on our site, takingwithyou.com, click on the PayPal button, and give a donation if you'd like to do that. We would really really appreciate it and for all of those that do give on a, on a regular basis or you just gave one time thank you we appreciate you you don't even realize how much you've blessed us we really appreciate you so thank you for doing that huh yes yeah you can also sign up for our newsletter by going to the site and clicking on newsletter we write an article every week and we send it out almost every week i think we've only missed one in two years um, so please do that too, and you'll get some cool stuff in your inbox. I may often post things. that on our Facebook <clears throat> accounts if you're a Facebook friend. And if you're not a Facebook <clears throat> friend, um, ask to be a Facebook friend and just put Taken With You listener on there so we know yeah, who you are. That would be great. And then remember to join us next week when we celebrate 25 years of marriage. What we've learned over 25 years, we'll share that with you. And we'd love your comments and uh, suggestions and ideas of how to have a good marriage. And we'd love to hear what you think about the podcast and Amy and I. Be nice. Yeah. Email us, rick at takehimwithyou.com. Or amy at takehimwithyou.com. You always visit our Facebook at facebook.com slash rick.moyer and... Facebook.com slash amy.moyer. We love you. We think you're awesome. And thank you for listening to our show. And we've run out of time. Goodbye. Goodbye. This has been a Moira Multimedia LLC recording. Um, Copyright copyright 2011. All rights reserved. I almost got it. (laughs) Okay. Let's go before the animals trample us. Yeah. Who built the ark? Noah, Noah. Who built the ark? Like a bolt from the sky. In the twinkling of an eye, there came a revelation. And wouldn't you know, fate dealt the blow and changed my destination. Falling, struck down, right down. When love came calling, my eyes opened.
What are you singing? <gasps> Have you never heard this? No. It's uh, Fly of the Concords. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a song about after the ro- robots kill all the humans. Okay. And take over the world. Oh, and they go, the humans are dead. That's right, they are dead. The humans are dead. I poked this one, it's dead. <laughs> it's good, I gotta make you listen to it. Alrighty then. <laughs> Anomaly. Something that deviates from what is standard, normal, or expected. An oddity. Peculiarity. Irregularity. Inconsistency. Incongruity. A rarity. I'm Jen. And I'm Angela. And we're the socially functional co-hosts of Anomaly. The podcast with a unique perspective, a female perspective, on all things geek. Star Trek. Star Wars. Lord of the Rings. Buffy. Firefly. Gaming. Books. Costuming. And general geek topics. The sometimes monthly, but always entertaining, Anomaly Podcast. Anomalypodcast.com. <laughs>